0: You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangelos, professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a certified medical director in long-term care. How do collaborative regulations for physicians and nurse practitioners vary from state to state, and how can caregivers best share responsibility to provide quality care to patients? Joining us to discuss nurse practitioner protocols and collaboration in long-term care is Dr. Deborah Bakurjian, Assistant Adjunct Professor at the University of California, San Francisco and president of Jerry Health Solution. Welcome, Deborah.
1: Thank you very much, Eric. I appreciate having the opportunity to speak with you today.
0: We are delighted to have you with us, and we want to talk about the physician-nurse-practitioner collaborations in long-term care settings. So let's start with the strengths that this approach brings to the facility and to the patient.
1: Great. Well, I think that one of the most important things that I have learned over the period of time, years actually, that I've been working with physicians in long-term care is that physicians and nurse practitioners do bring different strengths. Our backgrounds and our training are slightly different. We have some things in common, but we have quite a few areas that each of us excel in. And I think one of the great things about collaboration is that our patients or residents, as we call them in nursing homes, really benefit from the fact that we bring these different strengths. For an example, there's no absolutely no doubt that physicians have much more extensive training in medical care and particularly complex medical issues. But nurses bring a lot of coordination of care, counseling of families and patients, experience about providing specific kinds of care, that nursing care that nurses bring. So nurse practitioners have that experience historically but yet have a good understanding of the medical model and what medicine brings as well. So we, when we combine together to really work with our, our residents, we bring all of those skill sets and we can each contribute to the benefit of the resident. So I think that's a key issue that is an absolute strength, that we are basically stronger together than either one are individually.
0: Well, I've been lucky to have a collaborative practice with nurse practitioners for over 30 years, and from the beginning of time, they have always kept me out of trouble and have benefited the relationship we've had and shared with uh, residents throughout time. Now, each state has very different collaborative practice arrangements. You want to go into some of the differences and maybe even which ones you like the best or which ones you think benefit patient care the best. Sure.
1: It's absolutely true that nurse practitioner practice is regulated at the state level. And each state can establish the regulations dependent on a variety of different things. And it's sometimes very confusing for nurse practitioners, particularly when they work in in tri-state areas, because each state may be different. So, for example, the state may say that the nurse practitioner must be supervised by a physician and that in, in fact, the physician must sign off on their notes or a percentage of their notes, while another state may say that the nurse practitioner will work with the physician collaboratively and that the physician really has oversight of where the nurse practitioner crosses over into the medical arena. So, for example, prescribing medications and that sort of thing. And um, there's sort of every variation in between that. We do have some states, a few states now that say that nurse practitioners can practice independently. The other area that often is a difference is in the prescribing practices of nurse practitioners. Some states do not allow it at all or at in a very limited manner, while other states allow nurse practitioners to prescribe medications to include pain medications that are controlled by the DEA. So there's, again, a wide variety across states. And sometimes what happens is that that practice becomes confusing to not only the nurse practitioner, but to the physician who's collaborating with the nurse practitioner. It makes some sense certainly to have regulations around that, but I think it would be in all patients' best interest if those regulations were consistent across all states. And frankly, the less restrictive the regulations are, the more versatility we have in forming a collaborative practice that takes advantage over both the physician's strengths and the nurse practitioner's strengths. So I think, you know, it makes sense that we have some Guidelines about how to do this, but less restrictive guidelines are probably better for all of the parties involved in it because it allows the team to establish a work practice that works best for both of the parties to benefit the patient.
0: This is one of those few interviews when I really do need to remind the listening audience that the differences across state are huge. Many times we have topics that are universal across the United States and actually across the world. But this discussion, we really have to know what the state is up to and how those regulations are put together.
1: Absolutely. We do not want either the physician and or the nurse practitioner who are collaborating together in that state to not follow the state regulations. That is very, very important because either one of them or both of them can get into some difficulty if they don't follow state regulations. So starting right off the bat, when you form a collaborative practice, you have to understand what the regulations say about practice, and you have to follow them very carefully.
0: Well, historically, nurse practitioners, the very first group, were often directors of nursing that, that came into the nurse practice universe. That doesn't exist anymore, but tell us about how many facilities might actually employ a nurse practitioner rather than a collaborative practice?
1: It's actually a practice that's growing where a nurse practitioner or sometimes a clinical nurse specialist would be employed by a facility. It is a unique and different kind of practice than what we've been describing before because what we were describing before was a collaboration between a physician and a nurse practitioner. When the nurse practitioner is employed by the facility, it's a a different relationship between that nurse practitioner and the physicians who are on staff at that facility or who have residents who are in the facility. That nurse practitioner still must follow the guidelines for the state. So if the state requires a supervising physician, they must still have that supervising physician or a collaborating physician. Frequently, that's the medical director for the facility who who has general oversight of the care and the systems of care that are in the nursing home. That nurse practitioner then needs to establish a relationship with the attending physicians who were there. And the role of that nurse practitioner at that time is really to try to help the facility provide the best systems of care. And frequently that nurse practitioner is used in two major ways. One is to help the facility in quality improvement. And the other way is to help the facility to manage acute conditions that arise. For example, if a patient or a resident were to develop acute shortness of breath, it's often helpful to have a more advanced practice nurse who can go evaluate that resident and then be able to give some guidelines to the staff on how to communicate with the physician and perhaps be the physician's eyes and ears if something specific needs to be done for that resident. And we're seeing that a little bit more, I would say, over the last five or six years where facilities are starting to hire those nurse practitioners as employees.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from REACH MD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangalos, and joining me to discuss nurse practitioner protocols and collaboration in long-term care is Dr. Deborah Bakurgian, assistant adjunct professor at the University of California, San Francisco, and president of Jerry Health Solutions. Let's turn a bit to some of the training that nurse practitioners have, and then I want to talk about the associations that are involved with advancing the collaborative practice. So for our audience, where do nurse practitioners train and what is their training background?
1: Well, all nurse practitioners must start out as a registered nurse So they come with that background to begin with. That typically means that they have a baccalaureate in nursing and or an associate degree in nursing. To be a nurse practitioner now and to be certified as a nurse practitioner now, you must have a master's degree in nursing. So depending on where you came from, if you came from an AA degree, you must then get a baccalaureate degree or you must find a specialized program that allows you to enter the master's degree, make up the baccalaureate units, and then go on for your master's degree. So if we were to take the typical route, the baccalaureate degree nurse, that four-year degree that allows you to enter practice as a professional nurse, a master's degree on top of that is a two-year program in most states and most universities. That program focuses on preparing the nurse to have better knowledge about the disease process. Basically, nursing programs tend to focus more on health and health promotion and prevention of disease and then how to care for those patients who become ill, where in the nurse practitioner program, what we really focus on is to learn to understand the disease process to understand pathophysiology, to understand the basics of assessment, diagnosis, management of disease, use of medications to treat medical illnesses. So that's a completely different focus, and that's where we tend to then cross over into what has traditionally and historically been the role of the physician. And Eric, as you know, this really came about because of the tremendous shortage of primary care physicians in the United States, a situation where there was a real need because so many physicians were training to be specialists in the various different areas of medicine and left a little bit of a void in, in primary care, a, a situation that we still have to this day.
0: But one of your professional organizations is the Gerontological Advanced Practice Nurses Association, and I think they work fairly well with AMDA. Can you talk a little bit about where the job growth and the opportunities are still going to happen?
1: Certainly. We are very appreciative of AMDA's willingness to work with us so well over the last couple of years, and particularly in this area of collaborative practice. We've done quite a bit of work with AMDA on trying to delve into some of the issues, particularly as we spoke of earlier, related to the different state regulations, but to find common ground about what makes a good collaborative practice. We just did a co-presentation at the AMDA conference around best collaborative practices and it was really a great experience. What we're seeing is moving forward is having even a greater opportunity for collaborative practice. What we can do as a team is to use the best of the knowledge and capability of each team member. So, for example. A physician in an area where there's a shortage of care, and frankly, nursing homes is one of those areas where we don't have enough primary care providers who are trained in geriatrics, who have good knowledge about the issues around older adults, as well as the issues that are unique to nursing home care. So when we have a physician who is good at that, and our medical directors who have that kind of training are excellent... Then we team up with maybe two, three, or even four nurse practitioners as a team. We have the ability to have a much further reach in providing the care that these older adults need. So that's certainly an area that is still growing. And I think another area that we could look at is what's happening in the assisted living arena where because our older adults are often choosing either to not go in a nursing home but to go into some kind of a residential care or assisted living setting, and or to age in place at home, that we also have opportunities to collaborate together to provide the kind of care that our older adults need in the assisted living setting and also in home care. There's many, many different collaborative opportunities that we can look forward to as we face this issue that we have now of more and more older adults as the baby boomer's age, so to speak.
0: Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Deborah Bakurgian. Deborah, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine.
1: Thank you, Eric, for this opportunity.
0: You have been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.